Hello and welcome. We are the Ladies of Strange. I'm Ashley. I'm Tiffany. And I'm Rebecca. Join us every Thursday as we discuss the history, mystery, and theory of all things questionable, odd, and eerie. Awesome. All right, ladies. So how's everybody been doing this week? What's going on? As Rebecca so beautifully coined it for us, what's your poison this week, Tiffany? Well... My poison this week, I was not prepared for because I thought you were going first. (laughs) So we're going to swing back to Ashley. How are you? What's your poison? I am fantastic. My poison this week is getting ready to go on vacation this weekend. We're on the final countdown and we've had this planned for two months now and we're finally actually going. So I'm very ready. Yes. It's like that lovely in-between phase of you're ready for this, but oh my God, you're doing this. Yeah, it's not a huge one. We're just going down to my mom and stepdad's beach house for Labor Day weekend. I don't know if I should pinpoint how early we're recording this episode. It's fine. because I think It, it doesn't I matter. Do. I can edit that out. Okay. I actually... Like most things. I pinpoint the exact time we're recording in mine, so it's fine. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, for the weekend. And, uh, yeah, little man, I, for those of you listening, I have an almost three-year-old son. And he is obsessed with all things water and hasn't stopped talking about the beach for two months now. So I'm Aww. ready. Yeah, we're excited. That's adorable. Yes. I like it. So I guess since Tiffany's not ready, we'll bounce it over to Rebecca. Yeah, um, my poison isn't actually a poison. I started something called Cardio Bar, Ooh. which is imagine you merge cardio and ballet, which is not something you expect me to do, but I love it. Yeah, that sounds like poison. I'm very happy for you. It's a very fun form of poison because I need exercise because I'm weak as hell. But an actual poison, right now I'm drinking Cabernet Sauvignon by Layer Cake and it is surprisingly good. Fabulous. Fun wines. New wines are always fun. Spoiler, most of my poisons are wine. Fair. I think that's a good poison to have. I think that kind of runs across the board here. And I only bought the bottle and not the box that I have in my apartment. Small victories. Now you have more for when you get home. That's all that matters. I love it. Well, my poison is trying to figure out how to keep my cats from picking at the carpet, which is not fun, but that's okay. Someone told me about this spray called Fooey Spray. Fooey? Yeah, it's Fooey. Stop making that face. You're supposed to spray it. It's supposed to keep cats from either eating it or bothering it. I actually need to get it for a specific plant that my cat, for some reason, bothers and eats and then throws up on my carpet would it work on carpet though because they don't really actually like smell it they do they have like a scratch tower yes they ignore it so you know really because my cat loves his scratch tower they had at our old house they had a scratch tower that was taller than my husband but i will send you amazon links excellent so that's been my poison this week and kind of being super nervous about today but that's okay i'm pumped nervous but very pumped don't be scared. Sweet. Very scared. 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 <laughs> that sounds really amazing coming out of Rebecca for some reason. I was about scurred. to say the same thing. Let's say I'm drinking wine, so yes. it's probably going to be interesting. So since this is our first episode, a little bit on how we're going to format this. Once a week, one of us will share a story because if we each shared a story, it'd be way too long. So this week, we have Ashley. It's me. 
sharing a story for us that I'm super excited about. So I don't know if you guys know what my story is going to be. We don't because you wouldn't tell us. Um, So recently, the three of us went on a trip together to go see one of our favorite podcasts, and that's what we drink live in Nashville. Amazing. And Rebecca's currently repping the merch right now for them. That was done on purpose. (laughs) I almost brought up my, and that's why we drink wine glass, but I wanted to match you guys, so fair understand which it's always fine to bring another podcast merch it's it's fine really i'm not mad i'm not another and that's why we drink reverence if you have not heard of them you must be living under a rock if by chance you're listening to us and haven't heard of them we're all mildly addicted to them so moving on yes (laughs) anyway so we went to go see them live in nashville for tiffany's 30th birthday and on the way back this subject came up and you guys had both said that you didn't know who this person was and my mind was blown because this is a person who kind of like kick-started my interest into all things questionable odd and eerie i'm intrigued i'm so excited so today we're going to be talking about dr death or dr kevorkian i've heard is, the is name it either or well it comes up here dr death kevorkian no dr quote unquote death or, as he's illegally known, Dr. Kevorkian. I've heard the name, and I've said it to a couple people, and their eyes got really wide, and I had no clue why. But I <laughs> did not research it, because I had a feeling you were going to be talking about him. Yes. Um, so again, yeah, this is when the height of his case, um, or his story, I guess, came up like mid to er- or, excuse me, early to mid-2000s. Oh, so this is like recent. Well, you'll see. Okay. But when he was very publicized and very much in the public eye was around that time. That was around the time when I was starting to get interested in all things spooky. So I kind of fell for the case then. And I'm really interested to get y'all's point of view on this when we finish. So I'm just going to jump in. Um, I'm going to give a little bit of history and then get on to the fun stuff. You could? I'm just refilling. Okay. Just making sure everybody's good before we I'm, get I was going very here. proud with how quiet I was, so... I was just curious what you were sniffing. She licked <laughs> I was the bottle. I am super classy. I licked the edge of the bottle to waste no wine. Fair. No wine goes undrank. I am not judging. I am extremely impressed and questioning why I've never done that before. So anyway, story time. Dr. Story Kevorkian. time. Okay. So excited. So he was born May 26th, 19... That's not right. <laughs> Starting off great here, guys. We are professionals. Nope. Hold on. We are professionals, just not in this arena. I choose to disagree. I am not a professional in any aspect of my life, but I appreciate you saying that. So in case anyone was wondering, I said that he was born 1982. It was 1928. I mean, close enough. That's that's close enough. That's a standard deviation. Yeah, something like that. So I'm just going to go back from the beginning. (laughs) Yeah, let's... It's because you know big words doesn't mean you have to use them, Rebecca. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, he was born May 26, 1928 okay. in Pontiac, Michigan. He was born Jacob Murad Kvorkian. He was the middle child and only son of Levon and Satanig. They were two Armenian refugees who escaped the Armenian massacres that took place shortly after World War I. Um, he was raised in a very strict and religious home. Um, His parents worked very hard to make sure that their children were obedient Christians. Kudos. Um, Good luck with that. Yeah, that always goes well, right? (laughs) So (laughs) 
<laughs> he was given the name Jack by his American friends and teachers, but he was known for having trouble believing what he thought were conflicting religious ideas. And he was often found rallying against the ideas of miracles and an all-powerful God. He was always arguing with his Sunday school teachers. Um, and he was quoted saying, if God had a son who could walk on water, why couldn't he stop the genocide that killed my entire family? Shots fired. He continued to question God's existence until he realized he was never going to get the answers he was looking for and ultimately stopped attending church at the age of 12. As a young boy, he excelled at academics with a love for reading and science, always had an affinity to the arts, including drawing, painting, piano, musical, etc. So he was a lot cooler than I was as a kid. Got it. I mean, I took piano, but probably not at the same level of cool he did. Probably very similar to Rebecca. Ravenclaw. (laughs) He definitely would have been. Well, we'll see. Some people might say Slytherin. Ooh, we'll see. Oh, this got interesting. Just disclaimer, we do have a lot of Harry Potter references, so you just have to get on board with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, sorry. please excuse us, it's get on board. Just get on board. Yeah. Not going back on that one. Nope. Even though he was advanced in his classes, he rarely accepted things at face value, and again, he always frequently engaged in arguments with his teachers, and he was known to often humiliate his teachers when they couldn't keep up with his debate skills. He sounds annoying. Well, you know, or a genius. Again. No, mostly just annoying. Well, he became known as an eccentric bookworm and was alienated from his peers. So annoying. Got it. Hashtag How do I get relatable. that title? <laughs> right? No, you're annoying, so you're getting there. <laughs> oh, shots fired? No, I, I actually feel really proud about that. <laughs> Baby steps. Um, because learning came so effortly to him, he was promoted to Eastern Junior High School when he was in the sixth grade. Um, by the time he had got to high school, he had taught himself German and Japanese. Dang. Those are two very different languages. Yeah. <laughs> but why not? I mean, I mean he's if got you nothing ha- better to do. If you have the time. He doesn't go to church. He doesn't have <laughs> friends. He doesn't have <laughs> friends. He actually gave up dating because he thought it would um, skew him from his academics. Yes, because that's what that does. I gave up dating until I was like 21. That giving up and not having anyone interested are two different things. Let me have my moment. <laughs> it's all about your frame of mind. True. If I say it's fine, it's, it's fine. fine. <laughs> um, due to his dedication, he graduated high school with honors at the age of 17. And he went on to the University of Michigan College of Engineering, Rebecca, with the hopes <laughs> of becoming a civil engineer. Um, uh, halfway through, yeah, polar opposite. Yeah, um, civil engineers make targets. Mechanical engineers build weapons. I'm worried. (laughs) And Rebecca is a mechanical engineer. That's my opinion on civil engineers. Just kidding. I love y'all. Please listen to us. If you are a civil engineer, I can be your favorite or Ashley can be your favorite, but we'll leave the rest of you like Rebecca. Slash if you like to like watch cartoons and hang out and eat cereal on Saturday mornings. Call What's me. wrong with that? I'm just saying engineer's a little bit above my 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 level here. Yeah, but I still do that. I went to college for three years, flunked out all three years, and then decided, well, it's not quite for me. College is overrated. This is coming from someone with an engineering degree. It murdered me. I'm glad I'm out. Well, it's done. It's in your past. And now I'm doing amazing things. Anyway, continue. Maybe this is why Kevorkian turned out the way he did. Well, let's focus Probably. on someone who stuck it out, unlike two-thirds of the room. Um, 
<laughs> Halfway through his freshman year, however, he became bored with his civil engineer studies and began focusing Can on... Can you blame him? It's just bridges. If you say so. But it is. I believe you. Okay. I'm shutting up now. Come on, Keaton. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, so um, didn't go down that rabbit hole in my in my notes. But he began focusing on botany and biology, which I do know what those two things are. Those are fun. Rebecca, I am getting scared being in a room with Rebecca. Continue. (laughs) Botany, engineering, eccentric bookworm, college education. Again, was not fun. He didn't say he enjoyed it, but he did it. So he began focusing on botany and biology, and by mid-year, he had a site set on medical school. In 1952, Dr. Kevorkian graduated in medicine at the age of 24. However, in 1953, the Korean War abruptly halted his plans, and he served 15 months as an Army medical officer in Korea. Kudos to you, sir. He's just bouncing all over the place. Yeah, he is a jack of all trades. (laughs) (laughs) How long were you waiting for that? That one actually just came to me. I don't have that in my notes anywhere. I'm so proud of you. Please continue. (laughs) Okay. So, got all the boring school stuff out of the way. Hey, now. So. It is boring. A little bit. Um, Throughout his residency at the University of Michigan Hospital, he became fascinated with the idea of death and the act of dying. (laughs) Wait, 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 wait. The act of dying? Well, he, throughout his residency, he quickly became fascinated with the idea of death and dying. That's not a good thing to do during your residency. Well, you know, you gotta figure it out at some point. I mean, if you're into rainbows and unicorns, you're gonna be in rainbows and unicorns no matter what time. Right. What does this have to do with death and dying? If you're into death and dying, you're gonna be into death and dying no matter what. Hence the reason the three of us have a podcast. Gotcha. Continue. <laughs> um... <laughs> He was often found with dying patients, hoping to photograph their eyes at the exact moment of death. Uh Uh-uh. I have watched a lot of TV shows that talk about the eyes during death. This guy's getting crazy. And keep in mind that this was in the 50s. I have a feeling he's going to turn into a bad guy. Have you, like, seen the premise for our show? Uh, I'm I'm nervous. I'm excited. Let's hear about this. So he said his reason for photographing their eyes is he believed that doctors could use the information, particularly on the battlefield, to help quickly distinguish between trauma and death. Oh. So like if you saw somebody laying in the middle of the battlefield, you could ideally run up, look at their eyes real fast and be able to tell if they're alive and not have to wait for a pulse or like check them Um, out. So what about the massive amounts of blood loss? How does that play into this? you know, not everybody has massive amounts of blood loss. They could have fallen and hit in their well, head. Well, not externally. Knocked out. Yeah, but that's what his whole point is on the battlefield. You don't really have a chance to sit there. I'm just and imagining like, like war hardened generals like going around the battlefield and staring deeply into people's eyes. Well, no, that's his whole point. He was trying to make it where they didn't have to stare deeply. He was making, he is thought process was that you could come up on somebody on the ground look at their eyes and if you studied enough to be able to distinguish if they were just injured or if they were dead so that in theory is really smart and useful precisely and again in the 50s you know we didn't know. i'm gonna need to see papers on this well i'm sure there's a there's a journal about it i'm sure because we'll get into that yay um <laughs> But when he was asked about it later in life, he said, my number one reason was because it was interesting. My second reason was because it was taboo. 
Oh man, I'm starting to feel real bad about myself right now. You're just a little taboo. It's okay. It's I fine. really wish I had a job that required those two things. Interesting and taboo? Yep. Um, so never known, obviously, to be one to be afraid to speak his mind. Dr. Death caused a stir among his colleagues by proposing the idea of using death row inmates as subjects of medical experimentation. Um, <laughs> I mean, the analytical part of me gets that, but the humanity part of me goes WTF. Well, in 1958, he wrote a paper, back to your documentation, I'm sure you can find it all. It's important, people. Um, for the American Association for the Advancement of Science, promoting a method he called terminal human experimentation. Intriguing. I'm going to need that defined. When he says terminal. He argued that condemned convicts could provide a service to humanity before their execution by volunteering for painless medical experiments. Painless. painless. Yes. I'm doing air, air quotes. quotes. <laughs> um, that would begin while they were still alive, but ultimately would end after death. I mean, death ends most things. Well, the experimentation would continue after uh, death. Gotcha. So okay. it could start while they were still alive, but continue. So basically like experimenting on them as they're dying. <laughs> Is How would it continue after death? Well, it, checking mean, the body, seeing what happens after death. Okay. And this would allow the opportunity to learn about the exact moment of death and potentially help doctors control the instant of death. So Kevorkian seems like a really antisocial, curious guy. Like, granted, his so ideas... So like most scientists. Yeah, yeah. So his ideas are a little wonky, but so far, I mean, he just sounds like he's really curious. Yeah, I mean, he's curious, and, like, he did, you know, come up with this fascination with death and dying, and he's trying to figure out ways that he can study it without causing harm or, you know, being disrespectful to a body. He's not going and exonerating yeah. corpses and trying to check them out. Yeah. He's trying to find people that are able to volunteer and, like, I don't death think... row inmates, inmates that are going to be put to death. Mm -hmm. They could offer their services, quote unquote, and allow him to do experiments as they're dying. I have a feeling I'm going to feel really bad about thinking this guy's not too awful for this. I'm really interested to get everybody's sides once we hear more. Okay. So his controversial views caused a stir in the community, ultimately resulted in his ejection from the University of Michigan's residency program. Darn. Um, he continued his residency at the Pontiac General Hospital, where he began his next set of unorthodox experiments. Oh, boy. Um, what does intrigued. that mean? After hearing about a Russian medical team who had successfully transmitted blood from a corpse to living patients. <gasps> oh, I have a feeling this is going to go like in a Frankenstein direction, and I am super pumped. I almost wore my Frankenstein shirt. What year is this? Um, this would have been like mid fifties, uh, 1950s. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know why that's important. 19, so 1954 is when he started his residency. He wrote the paper about terminal human experimentation in 1958. And okay. that's when he got ejected from the university of Michigan. So, so we're like looking late at fifties, early sixties. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it took place late fifties, early sixties. He heard about a Russian medical team who had successfully transmitted blood from a corpse to living patients. He quickly, why? Why did they? Why from corpse to living patients? Again, it's just utilizing bodies after they had passed. So resources. Okay, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Like I plan on donating my organs. Same thing. I plan on donating my entire body. Have you seen what happens to the bodies? I don't need it. Um, cadaver labs. I'm going to be yep. haunting the hell out of y'all, too. I'm not going to care what happens to Oh, yeah, to that's my body. entirely true. <laughs> Never mind. 
his initial results were highly successful, and he believed this procedure could potentially save many lives, again, particularly in battle. So they were basically um, harvesting blood from the dead inmates to transfuse... Just dead people in general, like corpses that come into the morgue recently people that recently passed in the hospital he would and the controversy is the whole hipaa not getting consent but that's i mean they're dead neither here nor there so um was hipaa around never mind that's not the point that's a good question um i brought up hipaa okay i'm a smart helpful puff okay jeez i love both of y'all there's a lot of judgment (laughs) there's a giant question mark at the end (laughs) There's a big question mark at the end of that. That's not what I meant by that. I meant that, like, positively. Okay. Okay. So, um, (laughs) his initial results were highly successful. He believed the procedure could save many lives. Again, he was thinking more on the battlefield where a blood bank might not be immediately available. Okay. So, again, I'm probably going to hate myself later for this, but I'm not totally... So, if you have... You know, two soldiers that got wounded and one of them passed and the other one's losing blood at a rapid amount. You could possibly potentially pass the blood on to the one that's still alive. Blood cool. transfusions. Those are a thing. Exactly. Well, correct. But instead of taking it to a lab and da 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 and having it in a blood bank, you just pass it from person to person. Like hey. a wine glass. Yeah. Cheers. Continue. He actually pitched this idea to the Pentagon, hoping that it could be used in Vietnam, but he was denied the federal grant to continue his research. Rude. Right? That sounds incredibly useful. It does, but we're not going to get political on this podcast, so carry okay, on. Okay, fair. <laughs> um, after continuing the research, his isolation continued to grow and his reputation as an outsider was fueled. As he ran out of volunteers and support from the hospital and his colleagues... He turned to doing transfusions on himself. What? So he would basically take the blood from the dead person and transfuse it into himself and make sure that everything went successfully. Uh, I have questions that aren't related, but... It is believed that because of one of these transfusions is where Dr. Kevorkian contracted hepatitis C. Can't imagine why. Oh, that just doesn't sound right. Like, you can get hep C from a variety of places. Blood transfusion would be a great way. Yes, and I'm sure he wasn't really, you know, like, checking the records of these people. I mean, it is late 1950s, early 1960s. Right. Uh. So, not great. No, not so much. Um, as After qualifying as a specialist in 1969, so that experimentation was going on through the 60s during the Vietnam War, okay. etc. Um, Kevorkian traveled the country from hospital to hospital, publishing more than 30 journals, articles, and booklets about his philosophy on death before opening his own clinic near Detroit, Michigan. Um, his clinic eventually failed. And he headed to California to work for two part-time pathology jobs. See, at this point, I'm, like, feeling for him because I feel like he should be doing better. Right? I mean, he had, like, these amazing ideas. And just because they were strange or macabre, everybody kept just pushing him off and pushing him off. So now he's trying. He's struggling to make ends meet and working two part-time jobs. Had to drive, move from his life, basically, in Michigan out to California. But as our podcast goes, that's not how this is going to end. Stay tuned. Let's find out, shall we? We're too early to have sponsors, so there's no commercial (laughs) right here. Carrying on. Um, Eventually, after more disputes due to his radical ideas, he was let go of both of these jobs. Rude, again. I feel like this guy, if he had had a little bit of love and support in his life, wouldn't have turned out to be... A.K.A. he needs a Tiffany. 
You do need a Tiffany. I love you, boo. It's okay. You're not the only one. <laughs> um, by 1970, he was able to, quote unquote, retire and How? work on his passion project. But I thought he uh, got fired. Okay, continue. Wait, what's his passion project? Thank you for asking. He worked on producing a film about Handel's piece, The Messiah. Wait, what? So during this time, and it was one of those where I couldn't find exact dates on it from the time that he basically after he got out of his residency until the future um he had a lot of side projects he painted and his paintings are very strange can we like once this airs can we post some pictures of his paintings absolutely i'm intrigued uh i will also post a link to his jazz album (gasps) wait oh my god so I know I'm going to hate myself by the end of this episode, but I'm really digging this guy. Yeah. So he played, I don't remember what instruments, but he has a jazz (laughs) album. Um, And he is a painter. And his paintings are very strange. I'm going to show you guys a couple that I have screenshotted on my phone here. It's like she's prepared or something. Whoa. Um, What drugs were he on? None. (laughs) (laughs) What drugs are you on, Rebecca? (laughs) Wine. What drugs were he on? Oh, and it turned off. This one Cause, like, it looks is like... my favorite. So the oh. one I'm showing them right now is a very like emaciated person. It's um, like a Macrobay po- Christmas. Yes. Yeah. And Macabre. he is, the person is covered in um, like tinsel and because Christmas what? ornaments with holly over so the genitals. Can you turn it? So is he the Christmas tree? He looks None dead. of them are self-portraits. So yeah, it's very emaciated. Like the meat is eaten off the bottom of their yeah. legs. So he looks like a skeleton. He's ob- since he's obsessed with death, like I could see this being his thing because that looks like a dead person, person posing as, as a, Christmas a Christmas tree. tree. Because why like, wouldn't you want a corpse as your Christmas tree? Santa's boot is like coming through the fireplace and stepping on what I'm assuming is meant to be a baby Jesus. <gasps> oh, oh, I, I didn't even notice that. that. <laughs> So I thought those were just logs. I'm sorry. He has like quite a few very Okay, wait, wait, wait. Why does he have problems with all the major holidays? He has a problem. His whole thing when he was asked about this is it makes you think. I mean, that's accurate. Okay, yeah, but it must makes me think. What the? What's going on? Why is that an apple? So (laughs) it's a, a Spartan soldier, I guess, forcing a man to. Because what else would it be? Basically, he's basically the way it's depicted, and I know Ravenclaw, it's not possible, but he's basically forcing the man to eat his own head. It, it's art. I'm not going to be too critical of art other than WTF, what's going on? Yes. So all of his artwork is very odd and disturbing, and I'll actually post um, one of these to our Instagram page. That is just feet and phalanges. Oh, no. It's, it's like somebody like reaching up over up. the edge of the bed. Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, and look at the shadows. You see, like, the see? eyes and the see? nose. And Tiffany's totally picking up okay. on this. It makes you think. See, you like, have to look at it for a while to pick up on everything. Yeah. It looks like there's somebody eating. Oh. Oh. Okay, so the one where it's, like, a guy sl- trying to hold onto the side of the walls and, like, falling down, that's freaky. So, yeah, it's Who very... Who has nails um, that big to hold onto actually, a wall with? It's His fingers are yeah. torn off. Those are his finger bones. Oh, that's so much worse. Yeah. No, so... What is he falling into? There's something in those shadows. The abyss. It's like he's falling into the abyss or into hell, probably. Okay, there are people in the abyss? 
Oh, nope. I'm not. Nope. And then the next one. Oh, no. I actually find it really pretty and, like, I kind of want a print of it. Okay, that one I like. Although, why oh. the femur is that far up is questionable. Yeah, I'm not sure of the random bones around it, but. It's the- like someone made a portrait and just decided, let's just make bones in it. And then took the. So, let me make sure you're looking at the right It's way. really yes. pretty. The only thing I don't like is the tongue in the skull. Because if you're at the point where you're there's a skull, there's not going to be a tongue right. left. There's a tongue? But it's so, fine. Yes, these pictures of his art will be on our website. And I'll post a couple of them to Instagram as well so you guys can see them. Um, Figure but out yeah, so during this time, on. he focused on his passion project, which was the movie. He also did a lot of art. And his jazz music is what he kind of focused on. Okay. Um, by 1982, so about 12 years after he had retired, quote okay. unquote, he was living out of his 1968 VW bus, surviving off of Social Security and canned food. Oh, yum. Oh. Well, things have taken a turn for him. Yes. So, uh, sight set on becoming an amazing doctor, he's kind of been pushed back a little bit. I mean, okay, so again, I'm not going to be happy with myself by the end of this, but I feel bad for the guy. Like... He's got some weird, weird thoughts, and some of them are a little, you know, not so great. But, like, really, with the right love and support, this guy could have done great things. Could have. So he needed a Tiffany in his life. Yes. Or a therapist. Or (laughs) wine. Or wine. Or Mm. someone who's qualified to deal with this. (laughs) Unlike (laughs) Tiffany. (laughs) Mental health is not a stigma, guys. Okay, talk to someone. Get some help. (laughs) Talk to anybody. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so by 1985, he had returned to Michigan and began his work on the comprehensive history of experiments on executed humans, Ooh. which was finally published in the Journal of the National Medical Association after being rejected by multiple other larger medical Can't imagine why. journals. <gasps> Are we getting to the juicy stuff? This is the good stuff. Ooh. Oh, yay! This is what he is known for and what I... I mean, I'm, I'm already incredibly interested in this. Yeah, he's fascinating all right so by 1986 kevorkian learned that doctors in the netherlands were helping people die by use of lethal injection okay this is like one of those uh guardian angel things isn't it to an extent one of them slash one of the first slash slash things are getting weird um which helped to crusade excuse me helped in his crusade to expand the death row proposal and spark his new crusade for assisted suicides there we go. Or euthanasia. Uh, Kevorkian quickly began researching. Stupid yes. question. Is there a difference between assisted suicides and euthanasia? Euthanasia is when you use particular chemicals. The definition of euthanasia. All right. So euthanasia is the painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or in an irreversible coma. Okay. So I guess it isn't with the chemicals. It's just um, the painless killing of a patient. So assisted suicide or euthanasia. Okay. As it's better, more widely known, I guess, would be the appropriate. Okay. Because I always um, assumed euthanasia was based on a certain group of people. Not from what I didn't really. I guess that's not it according to Google definitions. Hey, it was from dictionary.com. Okay. Google I... is never wrong. That, okay. That's a lie. Okay, so if you're going to be listening to any of my segments, Google, Google is, is never, never wrong. wrong. No, like, I'm questioning Ashley's. I'm not going to question yours as much. 
WTF? No, that means she no, knows no, no, no. you're going to have the background like, and the answers. I know you did your research, whereas Tiffany's going to be like, oh, this is great. So I am what I've been called the wild card, which makes me really happy because if you watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Charlie Day is the wild card, and I love him so much. So I'm okay with this. Continue person who has researched let's continue after we ask for all the definitions that's fine ask away i will try my best if not you're doing really well out there in listening land help a girl out unless Um, you're listening to this like four months later we've already gotten the answers it's fine not necessarily they could be the only one you don't know them i don't know you and i'm sorry for assuming guys story time story time all right so we quickly began researching and writing new articles this time about the benefits on euthanasia um, he followed up his research with the creation of his suicide machine that he called the Thanatron. The Thanatron? Thanos? The Thanatron. Oh. <laughs> which is the instrument, it's Greek for the instrument of death. That explains Marvel. That, that one phrase explains all of Marvel. <laughs> he followed up his research with the creation of his suicide machine he called the Thanatron. He made this out of only $45 worth of materials. How? Um, what materials can you get for $45? I will let you know. Okay, thanks. Oh, you did your research it for this It mainly consisted of three bottles. Of what? That wine? would be delivered in order. No, he did not. Death by wine was not quite a thing. Yet. I would be down. Um, so the first bottle. So basically, this was a machine that contained three bottles of solution that would be delivered in order. The first was a saline solution. Gotta okay. wash it out. Okay. That's a good one so far. Yes. The second was a painkiller, and it kind of varied based on what was available and the patient themselves on what that was. Okay. Um, but the third would be a fatal dose of potassium chloride. So was this like the introduction of lethal injection? Lethal injection was already a thing. Okay. Um, but his machine was created so patients would administer the poison themselves. Oh, Oh, that's, I was about to say cool, but that's not the right word. Oh, it's very cool. I mean, eh. So basically, it would be, um, the patient would, his thought process, the patient would come in, all the doctor would do would be set everything up, and from that point on, it was at the patient's discretion on if and when they wanted to start the machine. That's fair. And it would allow them to press a button, and then it would deliver the medication in order. That's actually a really good way to handle that. So it would, it's basically what they would do in a situation like this, but it allows the patient to do it themselves in a safe, clean environment. So they would do the saline to flush out the vein. They would do a painkiller that would basically put them into a medically induced coma. And they would give them a fatal dose of potassium chloride, which would, in most cases, it would just induce heart failure. I don't there like was that most cases. No, 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 no. I'm just saying okay. like how it reacted. It, it's going to kill them. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, but that's not most fine, of yes. the patients that have potassium chloride. That is what their official death is labeled as: is heart failure. Okay. Um, he believed that this would allow patients who were terminally ill to safely, effectively, and painlessly be able to end their own lives. After rejection from national medical journals and facilities, he would gain large amounts of attention for his machine and proposal to set up obituariums all over the country where doctors could help people end their lives. Opium. Obitorium, like okay. obituary, obitorium, basically like death rooms. I mean, obitorium sounds better. Yes. Yeah. So basically, he would create this machine and send it out to different doctors to have this option available to his patients was his goal. Okay. 
1987. Hey. That was a good year. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. should wait another year and then it'll be a great year. Is that when you were born? That was when I was born. I mean, no, because we're obviously under 20. 88 is better. No, I'm 30 and okay with that. <laughs> You're n- you are not 30. <laughs> There's only one of us that are 30 at this point. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> one 30-year-old, one not 30-year-old, and one person who has a cat and a lot of wine. Yes. Cheers. So I may as well be 30. Kudos. <laughs> I have two cats in mine. That's why you're not 30 yet. You don't oh, have two cats. I'm thinking about getting Gus a friend. Okay, then you'll be 30. I'm Yay. over 30 with four dogs, two cats, a fish, a turtle, a toddler, and a husband. Hey. Well, I love how you included the toddler and a husband yeah, they're as full one time. of the animals. Yes. They are, yeah, their work. Hi, Hagrid. Please listen to this. Love you. Mean it. By 1987, Dr. Kevorkian began advertising in Detroit newspapers as a physician consult for quote-unquote death counseling. Ooh. Oh, that's different. Dr. Death. Got it. But it wouldn't be until 1990 when Dr. Kevorkian would become infamous for his first assisted suicide. So. It took that long? It, well, it was only 1987 when he first started pushing the idea. But it was the early 60s when he got fast, late 50s, early 60s well, when he became his internship, Yeah, but he didn't come up with the idea of the suicide machine until he heard about the... The stuff in Poland? What? Was it Poland? <laughs> where, where did Poland come <laughs> into this? I've had a bottle of uh, wine. An entire... The Netherlands. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. The Netherlands. Using lethal injection, and that's where his idea for the suicide or the Thanatron came from. Thanos, continue. I like Thanatron better than Suicide Machine. Yes. It's a marketing thing. So I'm intrigued because you're in the 1990s now, and yes. I am alive. Right. And All of us are alive at that point. This is like, okay, I'm ready. This is hitting home. Let's do it. His first patient was a woman named Janet Adkins. Hi, Janet. Well, she's not here. <laughs> it's fine. You're welcome. I have the red wine flush so bad my glasses are fogging. <laughs> Me too. That's why my glasses are off. I wouldn't be able to read my notes if my glasses were off. Today's episode is brought to you by Cabernet Sauvignon. You're welcome. We need sponsors. Please help us. Yes. Okay. His first patient was a woman named Janet Adkins. She was a 50-year-old Alzheimer's patient from Michigan. Um, Before her diagnosis in 1989, she was a member of the Hemlock Society. What is that? I'm glad you asked. It is an organization that advocated for voluntary euthanasia of terminally ill patients. I like the name of the society. Yes, I'm glad that you do. Any other thoughts on this society? Although, to be fair, the term Hemlock I mostly know from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Okay, I thought you were about to get real Ravenclaw on us, but I know that movie, so... <laughs> she put, Sally puts Hemlock into the poison for the professor. Boom, shakalaka. I love that movie. It's a great movie. I mean, you saw my... Th- those are the only dead. Funko Pop figurines I have are of Sally Jack and... Sally Jesse Raphael. I don't <laughs> know why that just popped in. Is anyway. She I don't know. R.I.P. Continue. We shouldn't drink <laughs> just in wine. Case. Um, <laughs> she was a member of the Hemlock Society, which was an organization that advocated for voluntary euthanasia of terminally ill patients. Once she was diagnosed, she began searching for someone to help end her life before the disease took full effect. She had heard of Dr. Kevorkian through the Hemlock Society, 
and reached out to him and asked him to help her end his life with the use of his suicide machine. Dr. Gavorkian agreed to help her, but since he did not have a practice, he didn't have anywhere that he could use the machine. So it was done in a public park inside of his Volkswagen van. I'm sorry. A medical device was used in a public park inside of a Volkswagen van. Uh, I'm not twitching. Side note, this is the Volkswagen van that is in the uh, Zach Baggins Museum in Las Vegas. We need to go to there. It sounds way too freaky for my blood. So Okay, so So, we'll drop you off at the local bar, and then me and Ashley will go. Drop me off at Chippendales, and you guys go to... So I just want to point out that Tiffany was here for the first portion of this podcast where I mentioned that the whole idea for me covering Jack Kevorkian was because they talked about him in an episode of That's Why We Drink where they went to Zach Baggins Museum and saw his van. (laughs) I had not had an entire (laughs) bottle of wine by that point, but still don't remember that. Side note, Sally Jesse Raphael is still alive. Continue. No. Well, (laughs) preemptively RIP. Uh, 83 years old. Oh, ooh, that might be too close to home. <laughs> Don't be insensitive. Continue. All right, story time. Continuing. Uh, so Dr. Kevorkian agreed to help her, but since he did not have a practice and could not find anyone that would allow him to use their practice, it was done in a public park in Michigan inside of his Volkswagen van. Note, I put like 10 exclamation points after that subject. I mean, unsafe things Cons- that happen in Volkswagen vans. Lots of marijuana. Probably a few conceptions. Those two things. Yeah, that's it. And Dr. Kevorkian's first assistant. Apparently. I mean, I feel like other hard drugs are done inside of vans, but... But Volkswagen vans in particular. Oh, never mind. Continue. (laughs) Dr. Kevorkian attached the IV and Atkins then turned on the machine administering the saline pain medication and then finally the fatal dose of sodium chloride. Within five minutes, Janet Atkins was pronounced dead. My thing says within five minutes, Janet Atkins was died of... (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry janet atkins was Was died of heart failure (laughs) do you proofread your notes i mean i I wrote them and like made like my scratch notes and then just typed them out no like i'm really impressed with your notes because they're single space and like five pages you should not look at my notes for the next i wasn't planning on it i'm telling you i find this fascinating okay Dr. Kevorkian attached the IV and Atkins then turned on the machine administrating, administering the saline pain medication and then finally the fatal dose of sodium chloride. Within five minutes, Janet was pronounced dead of heart failure. Once the news hit media outlets, Dr. Kevorkian became an instant celebrity and criminal. The state of Michigan immediately charged Kevorkian with Janet Atkins' death, but the case was ultimately dismissed due to Michigan's indecisive stance on assisted suicide. Okay. Interjection that may not be popular amongst other people, but you did say that she initiated the injection, correct? He basically set up the IV and then the way the machine works, the patient. And this is one that some places say they pushed a button. Sometimes it says that he gave them a string that they would pull that would initiate. But either way, yes, they initiated the actual beginning of the medication. This may be something that I have not researched enough i.e. I have not researched at all but from what I've heard if you're in a position where you are willing to pass on like if you are suffering from some disease that's making you miserable all the time and you've come to terms with everything else in your life like 
screw it. Like, if you're ready to pass on, do your thing. Well, and that was his whole platform. If yeah. you, again, wanted to offer something that was safe, guaranteed, because, I mean, people have tried to commit suicide and failed. So, and like, then, he set up everything and then left it in the patient's hands exactly. and decided to go along with it. He never started the machine. I'm that bo- was completely up to the patient. He would literally okay. set the IV, set everything up, and then again, I'm not sure exactly how it started, if it was press of a button, pull of a string, whatever it was. Question. Did he only service people who are, like, passing on already, like they were suffering from some terminal disease, or... We'll get into his other cases a little more. Okay. Okay. So, so far I'm on board, but it sounds like it might not be by the end of it. Continue. Let's just wait and see. I'm As waiting. But, yes. So, um, in 1991, a Michigan judge barred Kevorkian's use of the Thanatron, and later that year, the state suspended Dr. Kevorkian's medical license. Oh, this did not stop Dr. Kevorkian's mission to do assisted suicides. Due to the suspension of his medical license, he was no longer able to obtain the medication needed for the original Thanatron. Oh. So he created the Mercytron, or Mercy Machine, that would deliver carbon monoxide through a gas mask. That's not... Okay. That does not sound anything like Thanos, and I am not as on board. Still kind of gets the same... I mean, it gets the same effects in a better way than just sitting in your car right. in the and garage at this point he had so many people reaching out to him and so many people that he wanted to help it was his only option because he couldn't get the medication to use the machine so he had to come up with a way that he could still assist all of these people that he wanted to help without them so allowing him to do it the fact that you said so many people that he wanted to help i'm still kind of like you know what glen coco you go glen coco None for you, Gretchen Wiener. Oh, Gretchen Wiener, no. Hell I'm no. so glad I've actually seen that movie. Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh my goodness. Disclaimer, most movies I have not seen. That is one I have seen. Hooray! Because I had very good roommates in college. Shout out to Emily and Angelica. You uh, old girls. Dis- you get roses. Carnations. Flowers. Carnations. Disclaimer, Rebecca just saw Office Space like a month ago. Yeah, it cleared up a lot of things about my life in the office. And we're taking her to go see Rocky Horror Picture Show for the first time. Oh, yeah, that's a thing. And she's not allowed to Google what that is. Apparently, because I don't know what that is. We'll keep you guys up to date on that one. I'm in Ravenclaw, but (laughs) I am very much under under a very large rock. Guys, I'm only like halfway through my pages here. Oh, crap. In 1992, Michigan legislature passed a bill outlawing assisted suicide designed specifically to stop Kevorkian's campaign. Rude. Right? Hashtag rude. Hashtag live your best life, Kevorkian. Um, As a result, he was jailed twice, but was bailed out by his lawyer, Jeffrey Feiger. Feiger? I can't remember how to pronounce his last name we'll Fiffer be pfeiffer feff is a word from dr, dr. Seuss's Seuss. abc Continue. well no i want to be like legit because this guy is incredible if anybody has an interest in this and finds my story fascinating they need to go watch some of the interviews with dr kevorkian and his lawyer please do your research please don't correct us on twitter we know we're wrong thank you i can't pronounce his last name but he's wonderful i'm eating a cookie i'm sorry <laughs> no more wine for you i'm out she of wine <laughs> we gotta work on um continue. enunciation nope yeah well yeah that as a result moderation he was, oh, oh no, no. as sorry. a result he was jailed twice 
but was bailed out by his lawyer, Jeffrey Figer. That is an excellent lawyer. Yes. Um, he also was known to help Kaborkian escape conviction by arguing that, quote, a person may not be found guilty of assisted suicide if they administered the medication with the intent to relieve pain and suffering, even if it did increase the chance of death. I mean, increase the chance of death. I mean, again, not to get, like, political or anything, and we'll get a little further in detail with Kaborkian's okay. stance on this. Um, I mean, think about what a lot of doctors do now. Like, they get to a point with patients where they're just keeping them comfortable, and Lord knows what those medications are actually doing to people. And the cost associated with it that the family's going to have to pay right. afterwards. Like- no, that's, like, something pe- surgeons are actually moving towards. They're not moving towards, like, the perfect aligned whatever. They're moving towards, like, what makes the patient comfortable. Correct. So that is basically, you know, what Dr. Vorkin was doing. It just, as they say, quote, increased the chance of death. All right. So I'm not feeling as bad as my, as I thought I would be for my previous statements. Like, I'm still kind of on board with this guy, even though his name has some bad connotation to it, apparently. It does. And it's definitely one of those situations where people are, you're on one side or another when you know his story and know the cases on. And it's really a matter of assisted suicide, but yeah, we'll get there. Um, he was prosecuted a total of four times in Michigan. He Rude. was acquitted three times, and a mistrial was declared in the fourth. Good. Okay. He told reporters he was disappointed, and he wanted to be imprisoned in order to shed light on the hypocrisy and corruption of society. He There's was, a lot of that. Yes, and this, keep in mind, was only in the 90s. Mm. Yeah, that's super early. So what I heard from that is, like, he wants to be in prison to get his point out there. Right. And whenever I think back on, oh, you know what? I'm not going to say this because a lot of people are going to hate me no, for it. No, say it. We can always edit it out later. Just say it. If AKA Rebecca edits this out. Rebecca, if this is bad, I need you to edit it out. Will do. But Martin Luther King was in prison for what he believed in. Right. Mahatma was in prison for what he believed in. Like, this, while I can see why it's super controversial, I could also see why he would want to be in prison to get it out there. Um, And that's actually my next note. He did everything that he could to draw attention to himself, including showing up to court in an old judge's wig, so, like, the white curly (laughs) wigs, and, like, stocks, you know, where your head and arms go through two pieces of wood, and they like That's amazing. So he wanted to draw attention to this case. He wanted people to pay attention and to get his point across. I'm really digging this guy, and you know what? Screw it if I'm going to feel bad at the end, but I really like this guy. I want to be his friend. So, in 1998, six years after the initial bill was passed, Michigan legislature enacted a law making assisted suicide a felony, punishable by max five years in prison or a $10,000 fine. Again, keep in mind, this was the 90s. I'm sure it would be much steeper now. Um, Yet, Kevorkian continued to assist patients, even though the courts continued to pursue him on criminal charges. He pushed forward with even greater passion when this law was passed. And on November 22nd, 1998, he allowed 60 minutes. Uh, if we have any international listeners, ha ha ha, that's funny, Ashley. We will eventually. <laughs> it's a Absolutely. news broadcast, and I don't know if it's international, but it's here in America. It's a news broadcast. Um, but he allowed 60 minutes to air a tape that he had made of the lethal injection of Thomas Yoke. Okay. This was done on September 17th, 1998. Yoke suffered from Lou Gehrig's disease and had reached out to Gaborkian for help. On the tape, Yoke provided his full informed consent 
but due to his condition, he was unable to administer the medication himself. So on the recording, Kevorkian is seen helping administer the medication that would ultimately end Yolk's life. Following the footage... Not great, but... Kevorkian then spoke to 60 Minutes and dared the courts to pursue him legally. Eh. I mean, here's the deal. Rebecca gave a face, but in my mind, I'm like, you, you go, go boy. Like, Coco. Like, you yeah. go. I'm a... I mean, like, I agree with him, but I also see why the courts are mildly concerned about this. Oh, absolutely. You can see both stands of it, but it's also one of those things that, again, the whole assisted suicide camp is one of those, you're on one side of it or the other. Yeah. There's no in-between on that. Agreed. Um, The courts brought second-degree murder charges against Kevorkian, and Kevorkian decided that this time he would serve as his own legal counsel. (gasps) That's never a good idea. It really is not. Honey, I I want to be your backup plan. Remember, he wanted to be imprisoned. He wanted to bring light to this whole thing. That's why he kept taking it higher and higher and higher and higher because he wanted... But there's a difference between wanting to be, like, imprisoned and wanting to be getting... Like, wanting to be sentenced to death. Like, I would... It's not... It's... I mean, it's a felony. It doesn't say anything punishable by death. It's a felony of a max five years prison time and a $10,000 fine. Okay. So, in this case, like, that's probably your best bet if you want to bring attention to this and you want to be in prison. Correct. Yeah. Okay. And keep in mind, all of his other times that he's ever been in court or anything, it's been like an in-out. It's been acquitted, or it's been thrown out, or he's been bailed out of jail. So so Glenn Coco knows what he's doing here. Obviously. Obviously. <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, watch Mean Girls, you uncultured swine. Tiffany's stuck on a Mean Girls kick today. Well, I had roommates in college who sat me down and made me watch Mean Girls so I could understand their references. Well, there I you go. Mean, you're welcome. Good no, they job. were. I'm roommates. sure it's got to be free on some streaming. No, platform. I'm telling you, they were fantastic roommates. They sound amazing. And now I understand why we wear pink on Wednesdays. Oh, Rebecca, Some of us do. I adore you. Continue. <laughs> so, on March 26, 1999, a jury convicted Jack Kevorkian of second degree murder and illegal delivery of a controlled substance. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison with the possibility of parole by Judge Jessica Cooper. Pause. Yes. I thought the max was five years. He has had more than one case. Got it. This is just the one that led up, like, that was right before. Got it. Like, they, he's had all these other cases that he's been in and out of court for, and then they released the law, and then he had the story where he actually administered, was shown on tape administering, so they assumed his other cases Okay. similarly got it so jessica cooper told him and this is a little bit of a long quote but i think it kind of covers how the uh court systems felt about him so this is a quote from jessica cooper the judge that sentenced him to the 25 years in prison this is a court of law and you said you invited yourself here to take a final stand but this trial was not an opportunity for a referendum The law prohibiting euthanasia was specifically reviewed and clarified by the Michigan Supreme Court several years ago in a decision involving your own cases. So the charge here should come as no surprise to you. You invited yourself to the wrong forum. Well, we are a nation of laws and we are a nation that tolerates different opinions because we have a civilized and nonviolent way of resolving our conflicts the way the law and adhere to the law. We have the means and the methods to protest the law, which we disagree. You can criticize the law. You can write or lecture the law. You can speak to the media or petition the voters. So basically saying that you brought this upon yourself. Fair. 
Yeah. Question dot. Yeah. Fair. Over the next three years, Kevorkian would pursue the option of conviction in appeals court, but his request was always refused. The lawyers that represented him would bring the case to Supreme Court, but were also denied. Um, Reportedly terminally ill with hepatitis C, which... If we remember, he contracted from his blood transfusions Can't back in his why. residency. Forgot about that. Um, uh, doctors expected him to die within a year of May 2006. Is he still alive? Yes. Wait, 2006? Oh, currently? currently? Yeah. yeah. No. Okay. okay. No, he was born in 1928. I was real curious. Continue. Um, or 1982, if you're me. Um, <laughs> reportedly terminally ill with hepatitis C, doctors expected Kevorkian to die within a year of May 2006. After applying for a pardon or parole, Kevorkian was released from pr- prison on June 1st, 2007, after serving eight years of his 25-year sentence on good behavior. The former doctor was also made to promise not to assist in any more suicides and not provide care for anyone older than 62 or disabled. So... Basically, he was not allowed to practice medicine anymore. And, I mean, at that age, let's say 2007, he was born in 28. Like, So here's the thing. Are we, like, close to the end of Dr. Kevorkian? Yes. Okay, because so far, like, you know what? I really want to cheer on Glen Coco right now. Yeah. I can't blame you. I'm waiting for this to take a 90-degree turn. I into am, too. But not great. He's old now and dying of hep C. And Fair. <laughs> Like, What's he gonna do? As a girl in 2018 sitting in her guest bedroom in a sports bra, I really like like this guy. <laughs> Again, I'm still surprised that you're as dressed as much as you are. You're welcome. It's reported that between 1990 and 1998, so when his last, the one that he sent the tape in was made, okay. Dr. Kevorkian assisted 130 patients to end their lives via assisted suicide. I feel like I want to congratulate him because if they actually wanted that and that's what they felt like was best for their lives, well, I can get behind that. Here's a bit of the controversy. Okay. Comes along with okay. it. Okay, bring it on. Uh, the main report on him was done by the Detroit Free Press. And it said that 60% of the patients who died with Kevorkian's help were not terminally ill. Oh. At least 13 had never complained of pain. Okay. And the report further asserts that Kevorkian's counseling was too brief. At least 19 of his patients were noted of dying less than 24 hours after first meeting with Kevorkian. That's not great. Um, And lacked a psychiatric exam in at least 19 cases, five of which involved people with histories of depression. But again, you know, this kind of goes back to, say, the naysayers versus the yaysayers. Like, you're gonna find a way, you know, somebody could have a history of depression, but then also contract a terminal illness later down the road. I mean, I, as a very peppy person, have a history of depression. It happens to people. Right. I mean, like, I feel like depression (laughs) happens to people at some point in their lives. Absolutely. But also, again, look at us in 2018. Like, we still have an issue with mental health in our... Especially in the United States, where we are. Yeah. Imagine what it was like in the 80s and 90s when... When it wasn't talked or about me, 90s, at all? because it started in 1990. Exactly. So, you know, you can put on there that the person's clinically depressed, but what are you doing to help them? Agreed. So it goes on, the article goes on. It's actually really interesting. Surprisingly, I actually did read through most of it. Um, but it basically is just going on saying that um, he failed to refer at least 17 patients to a pain specialist after they complained of chronic pain. He didn't obtain medical records for some of the patients. 
basically just trying to pick apart every note that he had to find out the negative behind it. After he was released, he would continue to use his celebrity to promote assisted suicides and discuss the controversy that is the corrupt medical industry. He gave numerous lectures at the universities covering multiple topics, including euthanasia, but also tyranny, the criminal justice system, politics, Armenian culture, and the Ninth Amendment, which is what he based a lot of his mentality behind. That's a lot to throw into one discussion. No, no, no. These were different topics that he covered. Gotcha. So, the Ninth Amendment. I am not a history buff, and I wish I were because I find history fascinating, but I am more of a math person. What is the Ninth Amendment? It is the enumeration, this is quote, the enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people. The Ninth Amendment basically covers any other right that is not specifically called out in the Constitution. Okay, so if you are terminally ill in lots of pain, nothing's helping you, and you decide, I'm done, I can't take it anymore and you want assisted suicide, the Ninth Amendment should... I want to say technically, but, like, if you... It's a very blurred line. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it basically comes down to, like, my body, my rules. Is kind of how Dr. Kevorkian presented it, I feel like that's the... um, When you look at most of the political theories or opinions in this day and age, it boils down to that. Yeah. My body, my, my rules. And it was, like I said, his whole mentality upon it was, you know, there are stories, one of his patients, and I didn't have his name, it was covered in, um, briefly, on a video that I saw about him. His patient had, um, was terminally ill, and he tried to commit suicide by catching himself on fire. Oh. He doused him, he was wheelchair bound, he got doused himself in gasoline and caught himself on fire and did not die. Oh, this is not belittling that in any way, but I feel like there's better ways to handle that because that sounds incredibly painful. That's his whole point is there should be ways that we can help these people end their lives without having to shoot themselves in the head and missing and living mentally disabled for the rest of their lives because they're missing half their brain or trying to... So he's saying basically like i don't want these people to shoot themselves in the head and miss and have to live off the state for in misery for years or like well, and it wasn't even so much like the people that tried to commit suicide it was just people that i mean i thank god obviously have never suffered from a major terminal illness but you know it comes to a point where if you have lived independently your entire life and get to a point where you can't and if that's the route that you choose to take, then why couldn't you? To carry on, he appeared on multiple talk shows going forward. And if you find this topic fascinating or interesting at all, I urge you to go watch him. Because you look at this man and here comes, like I said, I want to get everybody's opinion on this when we're done. I love him. And he is, you can just tell by looking at him, that he is the kindest most gentle person that really truly had a passion for helping people and if you watch one interview i highly recommend that you go watch the interview with dr kevorkian with bill mayer okay it shows this side of him this like goofy jovial joking side that i never thought i would be able to see there's a quote in there where Bill Mayer asks him what the worst part of being in prison was. And he's expecting him to say that, like, people gave him a hard time. Or you could tell he's trying to get that out of him. And he said most of the people that he was with were good people and they were interested and wanted to talk to him. And he says the worst part of being in prison was the snoring. <laughs> oh! oh. 
when okay. when prison um, replicates married life. I was about to say, welcome right? to marriage. It's a joy. I love my husband This is dearly. not saying that married life is like prison. No. But no. there's some similarities. I mean, if you look at it statistically, there may be some similarities, but I love my husband dearly. Lots he, of people snore. He snores like nobody's business, but apparently... So do I. And I also talk in my sleep. So I guess he has it worse than I do. Um, But so his quote is, the worst part of being in prison is the snoring. You can't do anything about it because you try telling these guys they snore too much. (laughs) (laughs) Fair. That's a very fair point. Um, So basically to tie it up, on June 3rd, Jack Kevorkian, June 3rd, 2011, excuse me, Jack Kevorkian died at the age of 83 at Beaumont Hospital in Royal Oaks, Michigan. Um, He had been hospitalized with kidney and heart problems for about two weeks before his death. He did not have any assistance in his death, but all records show that he did die painlessly and carried on. And then the epitaph on Kevorkian's tombstone reads, he sacrificed himself for everyone else's rights. Okay, so... Everything I said before about wanting to retract my statements, I retract. (laughs) I like this guy. And you know what? You retract your retracted statements. I retract my retractions. Good for you for wanting to do good for people. I like this guy. I mean, I kind of want to hug you, even though... As of right now, that was 2011? 2011. Okay, you're seven years post-mortem. I'm probably not going to hug you. But no, I want don't. to hug you and tell you, like, thank you for all your efforts. It sucks. Nobody wants to die. Nobody wants their loved ones to die. But you get to a point when you're terminally ill where it's just not worth the fight. And you're going to die anyway. Like, if I'm in that position, let me end it my way. Let me right. have some control. Yeah. And good for you, Glenn Coco. I love you. <laughs> Glenn Coco. There's going to be so many of those references. Glenn Coco. Glenn Coco is going to be my boo. Yeah. So, okay. like I said at the beginning, this was a case that interested, got my interest in all things like this kind of peaked when I was younger. Fair. Um, and needless to say, it didn't go over very well in my family. And it was kind of one of my first debates on what I felt was right versus what they felt was right. But yeah, yeah I'm right there with you. Like, if I ever get to that point where I, and like, you know, you always hear like the quote, pull the plug. But like, that sounds horrible to me. Like, you're basically taking me off the machines that are keeping me alive to where my body has to fight to keep me alive. Like, if there's an option for a 30 second, like, boom, what's done is done. Please, like, let me go painlessly and my family can know that I could not suffer. Yeah. If there's an option for me to, if I know I am terminal and I one day am going to bite the bullet because of this disease, it's either I take care of it myself in a way that I find comforting or I live off of the state or give my family insane debt that they have to pay off after I'm gone to keep me alive to eventually die after years of pain. I I mean, granted, you know, we do have to keep in mind, like, from 1990 to where we are in 2018, that's 30 years later, basically. That's, I mean, 
a lot a lot of medical advancements have absolutely and if there's a way for me to live comfortably that wasn't available 30 years ago cool give me all of my options again going back to the cost and the stress on your family well even then i want you to give me all of my options and one of those options should be be, here is what we can do to let you live comfortably for the next year or two years or 10 years maybe even more or you will eventually die of this disease if you are in so much pain that you want to end it Here's a way to end it that won't cause extreme burden on your family. Right. Yeah. That's one of his cases um, with a gentleman, one of his first cases that he used the Mercitron, the carbon monoxide machine on. His doctors basically said there's nothing that they could do. They could give him medication. I don't remember what he was diagnosed with. Um, Oh, nope, I do. Just came to me. Ding. It was emphysema. Um, but told him that there's nothing they could do. They could keep him comfortable and keep him on oxygen basically his entire life. He went home and tried to starve himself for 10 days because he couldn't think of any other way to end his life. And he didn't, (sighs) he was quoted of saying that he would have done it another way, but he didn't want to leave a mess for his wife to clean up. Oh, honey. And that was then when they reached out to Dr. Kevorkian. And so it's one of those you know, that burden on your family and to put yourself at ease. But I would love to hear you guys' opinion on this. Um, like I said, I'll put some photos of some of his artwork on Instagram. Yep. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at the ladies of strange. I'll put some of his artwork on there and of course share it on other social media platforms. And, uh, I want to hear you guys feelings. What do you think? Are you pro or anti assisted suicide? And do you know, or did you know who Dr. Gavorkian was before this episode? And how do you feel about his stance? Yeah. And our other platforms are Twitter at ladies of strange and then Facebook at the ladies of strange. So we would love to hear y'all's opinions good or bad mostly good please (laughs) i mean we will take the bad as well we are very open to hearing the other side of things and if we are wrong we will begrudgingly admit that we are wrong but we will says you this is my topic i'll never say that i'm wrong i mean okay (laughs) i really enjoyed him and i want to hug him but like i said go watch some of his interviews because you can just see like i'm a very much like an aura and like i get feelings off of certain people and you can just tell that like he is a good guy that really truly has the best intent in mind absolutely i wish i could have been his friend and given him the support that he needed (laughs) tiffany would have given him a hug i would have given him she really would have she gives everybody hugs even the people who don't like hugs. So sorry, Charlie. I'm gonna hug you. Yeah. So get over it. <laughs> yeah. Get over it, Charlie. <laughs> so yeah, let us know what you guys think of today's episode and Dr. Kavorkian assisted suicide euthanasia. Where you guys stands are. If you have any other topics you'd like us to discuss, let us know on those platforms as well. But please keep it civil. Yes. Yes. We don't have moderators. We're trying to do this on our own at the time. Just We're be working nice on to each it. other. Again, everybody has something that they find strange, and that's okay. And here's the deal. No matter what your beliefs are or what you stand for, if we're all kind to each other, the world's going to be a better place. And you could learn something from those Exactly. Like, open discussion is great. Being mean to each other, if it's avoidable, avoid it. It's not worth it. And we won't tolerate it. So... Nope. Just be nice to each other and... uh, open communicate teach each other why you feel the way that you do and learn something from somebody who believes differently than you do absolutely 
All right, guys. Well, we will see you next week when Tiffany will be discussing... I will be discussing sage and how to get rid of bad juju. And it will not be nearly as researched as this. So come join us. Welcome to all of you procrastinators who don't research things as great as Ashley does. That's okay. (laughs) So we'll see y'all next week. For right now, it is Rebecca... Ashley and Tiffany and we are the Ladies of Strange. Follow us at Twitter at Ladies of Strange, Instagram at the Ladies of Strange, and Facebook at the Ladies of Strange. We'll eventually get those um, synced up. But for right now, thanks for listening and keep it strange, lovelies. <laughs>